and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, informational episodes on specific kids yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids yoga community. Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica Mujis, and this week I am joined by a dream guest of mine, Lizzie Asa. A little bit about her. Lizzie is the mom behind the Workspace for Children. Prior to becoming a mom, she received her master's in education from Bank Street College of Education and taught nursery school in New York City. Fast forward a few years, and she's a mom of three creative kids ages 7, 10, and 13. She is a parenting strategist and play advocate living in Maplewood, New Jersey. She helps moms avoid burnout by bringing back play. At the Workspace for Children, you will find creative inspiration for living a play-based life with kids. Lizzie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I really, I've been following you a while and it's just such a thrill to be able to talk to you. It's like you're an Instagram celebrity in my life. So, <laughs> well, Thank you for following along with me. Um, I wanted to start at the beginning. I don't know a lot about your background. So when did you first start wanting to work with children and why? I always worked with children my whole life. I'm one of five kids. I'm the second oldest. Um, so I always had littles around. And even I was always babysitting, working at day camp. Um, And so when I went to college, I knew teaching was a field that I definitely wanted to go into. It was after college that I really realized that early childhood education and um, young children were definitely my specialty because I was much more interested in the development of play than I was necessarily in teaching an academic curriculum. Right. And so... Were you still teaching when you had your own children? And then did that change your perspective on teaching at all? I taught in the classroom up until I had my oldest. Um, then I went back actually for a very, a little while. And I mean, I, for me, teaching is lifelong. I don't think I've ever stopped. Um, while I stopped working with children and families directly in the classroom, I was always, I've always been doing it. Um, and I hope to always continue to do that. And yes, being a parent changes your perspective a millionfold. I mean, we've all heard that, you know, saying that everyone's a perfect parent until they have kids. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Um, I think the biggest change is just, you know, when you are lucky enough to be working with children and families in a program that you believe in, you are working sort of like in a bubble, right? And when you become a parent, well, that bubble pops. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So I just think, you know, of course, life 
intervenes. And but I think life is the best teacher. Right. And so when did you start the workplace, the workspace for children? And I've, I know it's kind of grown and evolved over the years. So how did it start? And then how did it get to where you are now? Sure. So I missed so much working with children and families. And I loved being a stay at home mom. I, I was one of those people that felt really fulfilled by being home with my kids. Um, but and at the same time, I also really missed teaching and sharing about play. So when my youngest, who's now seven, turned one, I, I had to scratch the itch. And so I started the Workspace for Children actually as a little process art studio in the basement of our house. And I would have um, children, young children and their caregivers come. They would come, I think they came twice a week in the morning and we would, and I would set up art and play and just teach parenting and play strategies. And I did that for a while and it was amazing and it was really successful, but I, I was so burned out. I couldn't take care of my own kids and keep up with the physical workspace. So I took a step back. I did a bunch of consulting. And as I did that, I began to grow my blog and my Instagram. And that just opened doors for me to be able to teach and share with the world about play and parenting. And how many years ago was it that you started the Instagram page? I think I started it when my physical studio opened about six, five or six years ago. Oh, okay. And now you've, yeah. you've grown um, such a following. And I really, um, I enjoyed, you had a post where you talked about process art and I was like, oh my God, this is what, how you were describing it just is exactly what yoga is. So I was wondering, I think people would be interested to hear, can you just explain what process art is as compared to something like arts and crafts? Sure, I would love to. Uh, so process art is exactly what it sounds like. It's so much more about the making and the doing than what happens at the end. So it's less about following a, like a set of directions with a certain craft where you're looking for a specific outcome. And instead, it's more about interacting with the materials and letting the materials meet you or your child where they are in that moment in time. Right. And that, for me, having that shift in mindset sets me up more for success rather than like setting up a project I have in my head of how it's going to go because it never, ever, ever goes how you think. So that to me is of like oh, to have just to say, okay, the process is what we're focused on. Then I think as for parents, it makes it easier on us too. For sure. And I think a lot of us are so tricked by society and social media that we're supposed to set up these beautiful Pinterest worthy crafts and our kids are just going to come to the table and, and complete them and come out with this like beautiful outcome. When the truth of the matter is when we set up and there is definitely room, don't get me wrong. I, I love a good craft every so often, but when we come into working with our children and setting up crafts, that just sets us up for burnout because thinking you're going to have like a relaxing afternoon with your kids doing a craft, if you really break it down and think about it, that means you're asking them to learn a whole new set of skills to sit still and follow directions. And that's not relaxing for children. What is relaxing is being able to interact with the material, move their body and figure out how they want to use it. Right. Exactly. And express themselves. And in, in the story I saw, you had said a few 
things you can say like while they're working on the art rather than you know asking them questions about it sometimes could interrupt them but can you give just some um suggestions of like if you're sitting with your child and they're saying oh look what i'm doing of things you can say that are supportive sure absolutely in fact just yesterday i was working on a bunch of content around this because i do think as teachers and as parents we think we're supposed to encourage our children by by asking them questions or um, saying how beautiful their work is, when instead I think that can be um, it's placing judgment on it that's confusing to them. So instead of saying, oh, honey, that's so beautiful, I might say, oh, I noticed that you use straight lines over here and curvy lines over here. And then just wait. Let that silence sit. Because what usually will happen is your child will then say, I did. And the curvy lines, you know, are the castle and the straight lines are mommy's hair, you know, whatever it is. And then you can then repeat that back. Oh, the curvy lines are mommy's hair. And then just wait. You don't have to say, you know, like, you don't have to put judgment on it. Instead, you want to open it up as a conversation. And the way we do that with children around their work is by reflecting back their own words instead of guessing or putting our judgments on it. If they're making something and they just want to seek approval and like, oh, do they like it? Do they like it? Instead, just to let them be and create and know that you see it, but that but that there's no judgment. I love that. Right. And, it, you know, it's really the difference between when you reflect back their own marks or their own comments, you're opening up that conversation. But when you use your own interpretation of the work, you're kind of closing that conversation. Hmm. Right. Well, besides, you know, sharing about art and and play, you also share tips for parents. But in a way that for me, I find it it's I feel like a relief when you share ideas rather than, you know, on Instagram, it could be a tricky place. Sometimes we can follow people and it feels like, oh, my God, it, that you're a failure because you're not saying the right thing or doing the right thing. And you share things in a way that makes me feel less alone. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So I was wondering, how do you decide what to share where you're kind of straddling that line between, you know, keeping the privacy for your family and respecting that, but also being open and honest with the people that follow you? Sure. I try, first of all, that is the biggest compliment because that's so important to me. My goal on especially a platform like Instagram is always to be someone who helps, not someone who makes people feel bad. Um, and I know we're hearing this all the time, but it's so true. Instagram is very much a highlight reel. And so I know a lot of times people look at pictures of our beautiful playroom or my kids playing together and they say things like, why do your kids always get along? When the truth of the matter is, of course they don't. So I'm not going to show them fighting because that would be disrespectful, not only to my own children, but also like we have our, we all see our own kids fight, right? We don't need to watch someone else's kids fight. Um, but I try to really balance the pretty pictures or the fun images with what's really happening. Yes, those images are very real. And those moments of playing and love and joy are very real. But that doesn't mean that we don't have the other side of us. And so I try to share that without sharing the specifics, obviously, to protect my kids, especially as they get older. Yeah, well, you've really accomplished that. And I think it's a rare thing um, right now to see beautiful images, but not feel 
bed <laughs> when you see them because you're like, you know what? Even in your story, sometimes you'll say it was a hard day and you'll say why. And it's like, oh, I had a hard day too. And um, it's easy to get lost in those pretty pictures. But thank you for, for doing what and you I do. Also, you're welcome. And I, I just think I believe as the same as I teach my kids as for us as grownups that we learn the most from our failures. And so in sharing the hard moments or the failures and the things I tried that didn't work or the tantrums that were had that I was able to talk them through, I share those things because I think they're the most valuable, so much more valuable than a pretty picture. Absolutely. Well, you you have a new um, ebook out that I got, by the way, and I love. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm so glad. yeah, it's really great. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about the play plan? Sure. So the play plan, you know, for years, people have been saying to me, I always see you doing projects with your kids. Can you share activities? And I would share activities on my Instagram and I hesitated to make a book because I never wanted it to be um, about a craft. And it was hard for me to figure it out. So instead, what's the, how the play plan came about is that it is five of our favorite materials that you probably have at home. Your kids are probably already familiar with. And they're open-ended, meaning they can be used by a range, of, a range of ages, multiple ways. So I took each of those five materials and then made five activities to go along with them. But the activities are meant to be adapted and interpreted. So the way you, Jessica, might do it with your child is going to look different maybe than the way I do. And that's okay because the activities are designed to meet your own children where they are. Yes, absolutely. It's it's a good balance of a little direction, but then also that freedom, having the freedom to leave it open for your child. And I, I find myself even, you know, being a, a yoga teacher and teaching kids yoga for so long and being a parent, I still second guess myself a lot. I'm sure people everyone does, but like, oh, am I am I doing enough? Am I offering enough? But this kind of gives ideas and a little guideline. And it's like, like I've said before, it's feeling less alone in it. So I think it's been, it's a really great accomplishment. I'm sure people are getting a lot out of it. Thank you. I just, my biggest goal is to really help moms avoid being burned out and get back time for themselves. And I know that when you practice putting out simple activities, like the ones in the play plan, you get so much better at it that you don't even have to think. You can easily just like drop out a few materials and your kids get so good at playing that you end up with time back to meet your own needs. And once we can do that, once we can fill our own bucket, well, then we are so much more present for our children and our partners and in our own lives. Yes. Can I ask you, um, so you've, your oldest is 13, I think you said. So yes. have, yeah. from the beginning of raising your children, did you have this clear idea of how you wanted to set up their play space or was it like over time you started to develop these ideas and implement them in your own home? Um, definitely a combination of both. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I remember when Nate, my oldest, was little, like he must have been eight months or something and he was crawling and he was up at night and I was rocking him in his rocking chair and I was looking at all the toys we hadn't cleaned up that day on his floor. And it just occurred to me that why don't I make his a low shelf in his room the way I would have in a toddler classroom at school? Why wouldn't I do this at home? And so the next day I set up like his 
room as a, you know, cause we lived in an apartment as a little play space with just very few materials that were easy to take out and put back. And it was like this very aha moment because I realized I could be doing what I was doing in the classroom at home. And that really changed things, I think, for me as a parent moving forward. Yeah, I can relate to that teaching kids yoga. And then I with my own kids, sometimes I forget to, to do some of the things I do in the classes with other children because you're just so you know, overwhelmed day to day. But that's so great. And you had that when he was young. So you were able to kind of start from that space. And then, of course, like over the years, I learned from being a parent that, you know, when we moved to our first house, we right away, like set up the playroom in the basement, because like in my head, that's where the playroom goes. But then over the years, I realized that my kids wanted no one was using the playroom, no matter how much fun it was, and no matter how well I set it up because kids want to be where we are and I wanted them to be independent and so I moved our playroom up we took out our dining room we changed it into a playroom so that we could be nearby each other but not necessarily interacting playing Mm -hmm. Um, and it was such a game changer for their independent play because they could still be near where I was but they could do their work and I could do mine so that's just an example of like things you learn as a parent that you wouldn't learn in the classroom Right, right, absolutely. Um, we're um, I'm in New York City now, but we're moving um, to New Jersey, and um, I grew up in New Jersey as well. But yeah, so we're gonna have oh, nice. more space. I'm like, ooh, there's a little room. I'm like, I could make a playroom because right now it's just you know one big room pretty much in our house. So yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to start new too and to simplify because right now we've just yeah. had a lot of toys. I mean, that's thing too, especially now over the holidays, everyone's asking me like, what should I buy? What should I buy? And usually my response is, what can you actually get rid of? Mm-hmm. Because it's so true that less is more. And the less you have, the more your kids will play. Yes, absolutely. And and I love how also on your Instagram page, people could check out, um, you, you show like examples of little setups you could do on, on the shelves, um, yeah. shelves of your, um, you know, whatever play space you have. And, and it's just a few things, just a few things. And that's really all you need. I think we feel sometimes we have to get all the things and that will keep them entertained, but it, I've found that really doesn't work. No, it doesn't. I mean, if you think about like how you feel when you walk into like a big box store or a big grocery store and it's so overwhelming, right? There's like sounds everywhere and you just start to like grab things you don't even need. And you probably still go home and end up not being sure what to make for dinner, right? Because mm-hmm. there's just no, there's, you don't feel productive in there as opposed to if you walked into like a small specialty shop and you brought your list with you and, you know, there's just, there, there's so many fewer things there, just fewer high quality ingredients. You would go home and it would be so much easier to make a meal. Yeah, that's and it's kind of like with play, right? Well, um, I've been asking everyone that's been on since the pandemic began um, how they're taking care of themselves during this time. So I know you're so busy, you have a business, you're at home, you have your three kids. um, But how have you been taking care of yourself during these volatile times? I I love this question because it's so important for me to practice what I preach and that is that we need to take care of ourselves first so before we can take care of our kids because when we are 
recharged, rested, or relaxed, we can show up for our kids in such a different way. And then their behavior changes. And then our, you know, it just keeps going on and on. Um, So for me, one of my things I love the most is actually working um, and writing content for Instagram and for my courses. And so I make sure that I have time to do that every day. Because I know when I don't, my mind is always racing and I'm always trying to get them to the next thing. Um, so for me, it's really about taking time to do what I love most, which is my work. I could totally relate to that because the one thing that's kept me a little grounded during this whole time has been doing this podcast and mm-hmm. yeah, having something that you love outside of um what's happening in your home. I, I think you're so right. It's because people think, oh, it's self-care, take a, a bath or whatever. But it's like, it could mean working because that, that's could be where you find your joy. Yeah. A hundred, like when I have had time uninterrupted to just let my creativity flow and work on my own business, then I come out of that in such a better place. I'm so much more present for my kids. And then they're so much more connected to me. So they're not doing that, ne- you know, negative behaviors to seek my attention because they don't need to. I'm connected to them because my mind's not elsewhere. Yes. And you know, something else you've said is that I found helpful is that um, even just five minutes of uninterrupted focused time with your children is more valuable than say an hour of time where you're kind of hanging out, but you're scrolling through your phone or doing emails at the same time. Um, That was that's something I'd love for listeners to hear about because I think right now we're all, we're just all struggling and trying to find that time. So um, can you just explain that real quick? Like why, why that sure, is? Of course. I think this is like one of the most important parenting tips. And that is that like, you can either spend time 30 minutes, you know, laying on the floor playing Barbie, but you're not really paying attention. You're like half holding the laundry and scrolling through your phone and, you know, maybe making that Barbie doll move a little bit, your child's not going to feel filled by that. And instead, if you say, I'm going to set the timer and for the next 10 minutes, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to answer the doorbell. Even if my email dings, I am not going to answer it. I'm just going to be with you. And that doesn't mean that you need to set up a special class. It doesn't mean you need to be doing really any special activity. You just have to be with them. It could be a cuddle. It could be just reading a book. It could be sitting quietly and just listening. Um, and that quality over the 30 minutes or the hour you spent playing Barbie is so much more impactful. Your child will feel so much more connected to you and so much less likely to be seeking out your attention the other parts of the day. It's so much more helpful for them to feel seen and heard and connected and it empowers them to be more independent and to wander off and play. Right. And to follow their lead too, and to just do what they want to do and give them that voice. Um, I, I found that does make a huge difference. Yeah. Well, um, there's so much adv- advice that um, I love hearing from you, but if you had to choose, I like to kind of end with little wisdom gems. So if you had to choose just one piece of advice for parents right now, specifically, parenting during a pandemic, uh, what would it be? There's so many. (laughs) Um, I think it really would be to have a mantra for yourself, have something that, you know, it almost sounds cliche, but 
but saying I am enough for my child exactly the way I am, because that really helps you examine so many times we're acting out of guilt with our kids. And it's such, it's not a good place to come from for anyone. And so when we can really have this mantra of saying like, I am exactly the person that my child needs. I'm the only person who can parent my child during this pandemic. I am the perfect parent for my unique child. It frees up so much skill, which can change so many things. I love that. Well, where can listeners um, find out more about you or purchase your books? You have two books, right? You have the... I do. I have a book um, right now, which is my newest book, The Play Plan, the one we talked about, which is 25 Uncomplicated Play Prompts. And I have another ebook, which has, I think it has over 7,500 downloads. Wow. And it, yeah, it is, um, teaches you my proven method for quiet time and independent play. And I also teach a course on how to implement quiet time and independent play. Great. And is the best place for people to get in touch with you, would it be Instagram or would it be um, emailing you? I would say emailing me because my, my DMs can fill up sometimes. But you can always find me on my website, which is workspaceforchildren.com. And you'll find me almost every single day on Instagram at the workspaceforchildren.com. Great. Well, Lizzie, thank you so much for being on. It was a, really an honor to talk to you. And I think that um, everyone listening is going to find this really helpful and insightful. So thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've listened before, there are a few ways that you can help this podcast to keep going. So first, you can click subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave a rating and a review. This will help more people find the podcast. You can follow us on social media at the Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and the Kids Yoga Podcast on Facebook. You can also email me. I love to hear your questions, comments, feedback. The Kids Yoga Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for being here.